mentioned that what's on my heart is I'm, I'm hungry for people to have a deep revelation of the Father. I'm hungry for people to have a relationship with God that is beautifully and wonderfully free from performance and legalism. Amen. And that people enjoy God from a real place of wonderful rest because they just know his heart and they just know how much he loves them and how much he's for them. And that's really what I want to unpack. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That God is looking that he's... That the church, that the people might look at the church and say, who's, who's their dad? Because I want a dad like theirs. That the world would look at the church and say, where did they get their freedom from? Where did they get their liberty from? Where did they get this life from? Where did they get this hope from and that they would look at the church and say I want a father like your father that actually what I was saying in those stories is that parents are in a sense glorified by their children representing them well and being who they're made to be and thriving and being liked and doing the best that they can do, that actually mum and dad, in that sense, are shown off in those moments in a beautiful way. And that God is looking to show you and me off to the world. These verses that Jesus says here, that you may bear much fruit, that you can ask for whatever you wish, That God's heart for you and me is that he's not looking for robots. That God is not looking for robots. God is not looking for people who suppress who they are and suppress their desires. But God is looking for people who are so confident in who God is and so connected to who he is, and so aware of his nature and his character, that they are confident to express their desires, they are confident to express their wishes, and they are confident to express their wants. Because Jesus says, if you remain in me, in other words, you, we looked at this last week, if you want to know more about it, it's on the, on the website, but if you remain in me, you're connected to me, and you're intimate, and you are trusting in me, and you're loving my stuff, Jesus is saying in these verses, I want to love your stuff too. And then we see that in the natural. That as our kids grow, they come to love stuff that's different to our stuff. And we come to love their stuff just because they love it. 
So we would find ourselves maybe looking at sewing machines because our daughter is creative and loves sewing and is excelling in that, even though we, we, we don't have a capacity with haberdashery. It's a fun word, isn't it? <laughs> we don't have that in our DNA. That's not our passion. But it becomes your passion because it's their passion. And that Jesus is saying, I'm interested in your desires, I'm interested in your wishes, I'm interested in your wants, because I'm not interested in suppressing desire, and I'm not interested in, keep, in creating a church full of clones, or if you like um, Star Trek, the Borg, isn't it? Do you remember Star Trek, the Borg, the most frightful enemy of, uh, of, of Kirk and the others of, in that science fiction series, because the Borg turn... Up and they suppress everybody's personality and they make everybody into the Borg. They love what the Borg loves, they speak like the Borg, and they no longer say I, they say we are Borg. They lose complete uniqueness and identity and they only describe themselves as we are. Now, God isn't just looking for a relationship where He's going to give instructions and orders, He's looking for a relationship that's actually a two way street where he shares his passions, he shares his loves, he shares what he loves, and he invites us as friends to share with him too, that he invites us to do the same, that he calls us friends, it says in chapter 15 and verse 12. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than they lay down their life for their friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. He calls us friends, and friends share Friends say what's on their heart. Friends tell you what they love. And friends invite us to talk back and say, this is what I love, this is what I enjoy, this is what I'm passionate about. So the capacity to dream, the capacity to imagine, the capacity to be uniquely you with your unique expression of God, your unique passion after God, that is a gift from God. That's a gift that he has given to you. And these verses, these invitations to express desire, to express wishes, to express wants, is a gift from God. If you notice with children, you don't have to teach children to express wishes, desires and wants. Children in a family just naturally express, this is what I'd love for my birthday, or this is what I'd love for Christmas, or this is what I'd love to become, or this is where I'd like to go. These are the things that I really enjoy. These are the things that I would love to see happen in my life. And Jesus is saying, in this space of a really good father, he's bringing us into a space where we can be children who express our desires, who express our, our dreams, who imagine with God and dream with God. That the Christian faith is an invitation to seek after, to seek after the one who rewards those who seek him with faith. That's what Hebrews 11, is, in Hebrews 11 verse 6 is saying, that we are invited to ask the one who, who rewards those who seek him. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. And we talked last week of, we're not going to put God in a box, we're not going to tell God how to do it. We're not going to tell God when to do it and what it looks a lot, what it has to look like. We're not going to become God's consultants. We're not going to say to God, "You have to do it this way, this method by then," and this is what it has to look like. And we looked at that last week. But still, there's this 
invitation to express to God our desires, our wishes, our wants. To come to the one who says to us in that place of relationship, what's on your heart? What's on your heart? You sometimes hear people say, you better not say that out loud, because if you say that out loud, that's exactly what God will do. Have you ever heard that? You better not say you don't want to go to that nation, because that will be the nation he'll send you to as a missionary. We've had that kind of view, that God's the kind of God that if he finds it makes you miserable, he'll make you do it just so you can grow in character. And so we suppress desire, we suppress wishes, we, we suppress wants, and we just say, I just want you to tell me what to do, just tell me what to love, just tell me what my life should be about. There is a place for that. I think we always remain servants of a king, and yet we also become sons and daughters of a great father at the same time, in which we have quiet trust in his goodness, and yet at the same time invited to ask, to express wishes and desires. He comes to us and he will say to you, what's on your heart? What's your passion? What do you absolutely love? He will ask us, what do you need? He will ask us, how would you love to feel? We can come to God and say, one of my wishes, wants, desires is I want to overcome anxiety or I want to overcome fear. I want to feel free of that emotion or I want to feel that emotion. This is my want, this is my desire. I want to feel overflowing joy. I want to feel hope. I don't want to feel hopelessness. He'll ask us, what makes your heart beat faster? What are you passionate about? How can I help you succeed in that? In Luke 15, is an amazing story of two brothers. One brother goes off, and remember the prodigal son, one brother goes off, squanders his inheritance, but there's also another brother, an elder brother, who, who it says was slaving away in the farm, slaving away working, slaving away, being really, in that sense, really religious, really diligent, determined to get everything right. And then when he hears that the father is throwing a party for the younger son, who's just returned home from squandering, the older brother is indignant, angry and jealous and irritated and frustrated about the fact that the father is throwing a party for the younger son. And the father says, actually, I'm celebrating because my son was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And the, uh, the older brother says, look, I've been slaving for you. And I've not even had a young goat to celebrate with my friends. And it's amazing what the father says to him. He says, everything that's mine is actually yours. And I'm always with you. And you can have a party whenever you want. You just need to ask. But right now, in this moment, we're celebrating your younger brother, who was lost and now is found, was dead and now is alive. But it's this wonderful thing of everything that's mine is yours. Everything that's mine is yours. And that's the kind of family we get born into. That's what Jesus means when I call you friends. Friends share their resources with their friends. Have you ever had that? You go around someone's for dinner and they say, what's mine is yours. Yeah? Wonderful hot gift of hospitality. What's mine is yours. Everything you see in the fridge, you've got access to. Rochelle said that about her mum and dad in France. There's only Rochelle and the family who can go and find the fridge. And that everything in the fridge, what's in that fridge is ours. <laughs> Hours for the asking, actually hours for the taking. Amen. 
that you don't have to even have to ask. Those things are there for you. And that's the kind of friendship that Jesus invites us into. What's on your heart? What are your wishes? What are your wants? What are your desires? Everything that's mine is yours. Friends share their resources with their friends. That's the kind of kingdom we've been brought into. And last week we looked at the other side, but it's in trust, it's in surrender, it's in submission, it's not entitlement, it's not presumptuous, it's not becoming like spoiled brats if he doesn't do it our way when we say, but at the same time we're invited to believe that everything that's his is ours. To come into that confident space where, actually Father, I'm always with you and you're always with me and everything that's yours is mine, I have an inheritance to spend. And it says that the elder brother could have asked for a party, but never asked. And it's true that James says sometimes you don't have because you ask for the wrong motivation. And clear, there's there's an asking of God because you want to um, serve and love others. There's an asking that's not selfish ambition. But sometimes we're so terrified of selfish ambition, and we're so terrified of becoming proud, and we're so terrified of entitlement that we never ask for anything or expect anything. And so we live in the palace, but we live in the palace as paupers who have nothing. Because we haven't accessed the reality that we're sons and daughters in, a, in the home of the good father. Everything that's mine is yours. And that we access that by quiet trust and growing in it. We grow from faith to faith, we go from glory to glory. And as we mature, and as he fathers us, and fathers the orphan in us, we become fully convinced and fully persuaded that he really is as good as he says, and he really will make everything that's his available to us. And so when we've got promises from God, when we've got prophetic words from God, when we've been reading the Bible and our promises jumped out, We're to confidently expect that his greatness, goodness and wisdom is going to show up in that. We're to be bold and confident and courageous because we know who he is and we know who has promised. And that's the kind of church that God is raising up. The kind of people that he's raising up in these days are people who have wisdom, who have solutions, are people who, who understand who God is and what God wants to do and understands the heart of God. Who understand that we are here on earth to extend the rule and the kingdom of God. That we are to be those who access the resources of the Good Father to bring transformation everywhere that we go. That we're to know who our Father is and tap into the resources of our Father so we can bring resolution and transformation to injustice. And I want to finish with this, that to know what to ask for, and to know what to dream, and to know what to express, and to know what to express in terms of our wants, we have to employ our imagination to go beyond our current experience. We have to allow those prophetic promises that God speaks over us, those prophetic encouragements that God speaks over us, to fuel our imagination so that we go beyond our current experience because that's God wants us to employ our imagination because sometimes for example the people of Israel leave Egypt they have no idea what it's like not to be a slave and not to live under tyranny and not to live under oppression 
And God is calling them to the promised land where they're going to govern, they're going to plant, they're going to sow, they're going to harvest, they're going to be ruling. They have to employ their imagination to imagine what that's going to be like. They're going to plant, they're going to sow, they're going to build. It's going to be their land, their inheritance. They have to imagine themselves with God, able to overcome giants, able to find solutions to Jericho, able to conquer a land that's filled with milk and honey, yet with giants in it. They have to use their imagination. And so to use our imagination is to go beyond what we believe we can do humanly without God. It's to go beyond what a human being can just do because a human being has common grace. We have to go beyond that. So human agencies can provide many things that help with injustice and help with poverty and help with addiction. But Jesus Christ brings a radical transformation and a freedom to the heart. And so we have to employ our imagination to imagine lots of people coming to Jesus. Lots of people getting radical freedom. Lots of legacies being changed. Lots of young people who would have gone into a trajectory of crime and violence being transformed by the gospel and becoming those who transform society. We have to imagine those things. Sometimes, once I imagined this, a newspaper article that said, Plumstead is the place to live. And recently, I believe in in The Guardian or a major national newspaper, it said about this area being the place to live. But it started, for me personally, in my imagination. Imagine a newspaper article that said this was the place to live. When we moved here, our friends said, that's a land that devours. You remember in in, in Numbers 14, that's a land that devours your children. They sowed fear. And yet in our imagination, we believed actually God can raise up a people who know who they are in Christ, who know their identity, who know the good father, who are loved and, and love in return, who then can be agents of transformation. That's the church. And so you employ your imagination that goes beyond your current experience and your imagination brings you to a place where you know what your desires are, you know what your wishes are, you know what your wants are. And so you go in your imagination, you think, I imagine walking in the high street, I hear his voice really clearly, or compassion rises up, or I see a need and faith comes, a gift of faith, and I know what to say, I know what to pray, and that breakthrough comes to that sickness. You imagine it. You imagine the clarity of his voice. You imagine that kind of intimacy with God. And you imagine the moment when they come out of the wheelchair, or the blind eye opens, the deaf ear opens. And you imagine the moment where you tell them, it's nothing to do with me. This is Jesus Christ who has just healed you. It's in the imagination at the beginning, but it begins to cause a prayer that says, this is my desire, this is my want, this is my wish. It's in your imagination. And there can be huge God, kingdom, breakthrough, Jesus being glorified, dreams and wants. But it also can be the things that you just enjoy. So when, a few years ago, I wrote on a list, I have a a list of dreams, of wishes and wants. Some of them are really kingdom and really what we might call spiritual, though I don't think God makes a division. Distinction between what we call spiritual and not spiritual, because everything's spiritual to God. 
And some of them were just the things that were fun for me. Just because I love them. So one of my wishes, wants, desires, this is a really super spiritual dream, earth-changing dream, I wanted to see Jaws again at the cinema. So I put it on my list. Within five months, I was at London Bridge, and there it was, a Jaws poster. I went, you won't believe it, Rochelle! It was kind of a jumping around London Bridge moment. The Universal Studios had decided to re-release Jaws at the cinema for a limited time only, only in the UK, to celebrate 100 years of making films. I went onto a fan site in the USA and they were saying, oh, we don't understand, why is Jaws not being released in the States, why is it only in the UK? I thought, I know why. Because <laughs> he loves me. And he saw me write it down. That I would be really interested in seeing Jaws again. So I was there, there were three people in the cinema, so not everybody has the same dreams and desires. I was one of those people thinking, thank you, Father. You were so attentive to just a wish and a want that wasn't earth-changing, wasn't going to... It was just you loving on me and showing that you're attentive. So some of the dreams are just that. One of my list of dreams is there is a missing 1984 demo tape of the Human League that has never been released. Now, the only people who get to hear this demo tape are those who are invited into the Human League Sheffield Studios. So it's on my list. I have no idea if I'll ever get in there, but who knows with God. And, and I'm ex- Some of the dreams are, are, are places I want to go to. One of my dreams, wishes, desires is I want to taste pufferfish in Tokyo. It's, just, it's the fish that's slightly poisonous. And it needs to be cut by a chef who has 12 years of experience, otherwise the experience could kill you. I'm not sure if they ask you to pay in advance. I think if you go to a restaurant where they ask for you to pay before you eat, that's probably one where there's not a lot of confidence. I want to eat it where it's legal, because you can eat it in the UK, but it's not legal, so I don't want to eat it in the UK. I want to be in Tokyo, and I want to be able to have the whole... Some of the dreams are, I want to see... I want to see men live here as long as they live in Bexley Heath. For me, it's injustice that the life expectancy of this area is 10 years less than it is just four miles away, just because of health and poverty and, 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 and uh, nutrition. I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm believing for that. I'm believing some of my dreams that I want to see the, hear the first story that someone looked at a painting and, ca- and cancer was healed. That, that there was an anointing on the page, painting and it healed, that art can heal, that art can bring a breakthrough, that art can bring a revelation. So for me, part of that fulfilment was the exciting thing when Andrew came and started to do Art Sozo, which we're going to do again soon. So it's not just that it's a dream that I will do, it's a dream of my heart and someone else will do it. And so it's a whole mixture of things that you would love to have, things that you would love to do, feelings that you would love to feel and you imagine and you ask you, you just say, this is who I am. And the Father is, is wonderfully shown off when we're asking him for things that we could never possibly do in our own strength, wisdom and capacity. That we are so trusting in who he is and his heart for us that he knows he's actually interested in all of it. That he's not bored by us and he's not put off by our quirkiness and our 
our, our uniqueness and our unique passions and our unique in, in, interests and the unique ways that we show him off. That he loves the diversity of the church. He loves that manifold grace that Paul talks about in Ephesians. That manifold grace that shows off the multicoloured dimensions of who he is. That we show him off with our passions. We show him off with our interests. And yet we bring it all in humble surrender to him and say, I love this. I love that. I want to see this. But I'm not going to put you in a box. and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm not going to tell you when to do it. I'm not going to be living with entitlement. I want to always be amazed by you. As someone once said, God is most frustrating when you think he has to do it the way you want. And he is most beautiful and most amazing when you simply surrender and trust him. So it's that wonderful walk with a good father where we're expressing wishes and wants and desires and dreams and longings. And at the same time, in humble surrender, we say, I trust you to work it out. I trust you to do it. And even if you didn't do it the way I want, the way I thought, and how I imagined, I still love you. I still trust you. And that's the dance of walking with God. Where it's not the suppression of desire. It's not the becoming the Borg. Where we just say, tell me what to do, Master. Where we've got expression and uniqueness and, and, and uniqueness. And yet it's all under that wonderful thing. My greatest goal is to know you and to know your love and see you glorified. Yeah. Amen. Amen.